Perceptions Podcast. There's a deep concern that after years of correcting for young women in schools, the worm has definitely turned. There's now a crisis among young men. Imagine a DeLorean time machine car appears outside your house this year and you get in and you're told that you're going to 2052 to see what the future looks like. You arrive and you see what it actually looks like 30 years from now. Do you want that future? What would you do to get there or to get away from that future? That's what we're going to find out. How about this? A number of English teachers in the Australian state of Victoria have voiced their dismay at the reading list for the senior school English syllabus. The problem? None of the texts being studied present any positive vision of what it means to be a man. All of the fiction being studied by senior students presents the toxic bit of masculinity without presenting any viable alternative. Think about that for a moment. In fact, what's the first word, the preceding word, that springs to mind when you hear the word masculinity? Chances are today that it is toxic. And in Victoria, the English textbooks, according to a cohort of teachers, have nothing else to say. One teacher, speaking on condition of anonymity, said the reading list does not contain one single positive piece about being male. And he continued... If you are white and male, you should bend a knee and confess your sins before you become irredeemable. Big words. The 36 texts on the list contain seven Australian male authors, including the celebrated Tim Winton, who writes about, you guessed it, toxic masculinity. And it has to be said, misogynist trash talk. The curriculum board states that the texts were designed to reflect current community standards and expectations and is compiled with a diverse student cohort in mind. Which, perhaps, given the growing concern around no good male role models in our society, indicates that community standards and expectations assume that masculinity, all masculinity, is bent towards toxicity. And there's obviously something to that, isn't there? Given the headlines, given the hashtag movement, given the, well, given the misogynist trash talk of the past few years, given the Andrew Tate scandals. Now, I have a young friend, a young man who works in schools around Australia, dealing with a scourge of online porn among young men that leads to school students, young boys, making sexual remarks and noises to young women and teachers alike in the classroom. His business is booming. Schools are aghast at the level of porn saturation at a time when the schools have done everything within their power, or at least their imagination, to cull the toxic masculinity thing, consent classes, teaching and training about respect and values. But as my young friend says, how much chance does an in-class test about consent have 
in the face of an onslaught of online images, videos, ideas about women. What's super interesting though, is that after speaking to these young students about their views on women and calling them to a higher standard, my friend is swamped by these boys after class, wanting to thank him, to ask for help, to give him their stories, to let him know that they want to aspire to something more, to be a better young man who becomes a better older man. They want someone to aspire to, someone who they want to be like. Yet if they're in school in many states across Australia, and perhaps beyond the shores of my own country, the English texts that they will study won't offer them that. They're looking for an alternative to the oft-quoted toxic, but are not finding that on offer. Now that's not quite true. They are finding alternatives, but often they don't recognise or believe in the product. So what's going on? Well, if I had a dollar for every time that question is asked about the state of young men in the Western world these days, and it's not as if there are not myriad books and articles about it. Just this morning, another article dropped from New York University psychologist Jonathan Haidt. There's a deep concern that after years of correcting for young women in schools, a timely correction it has to be said, emphasising the STEM subjects, ensuring traditional pathways are not the only ones available to bright young girls, the worm has definitely turned. There's now a crisis among young men. They're receiving poorer grades in school, indulging in riskier behaviours outside school, struggling with anxieties and addictions at record levels, and are more disruptive, more prone to an ADHD diagnosis. Men are four times more likely to suicide, leaving workplaces earlier and more often. And of course, there's the scourge of the absent father that perpetuates the problem for another generation. And I reckon if you want to get funding for PhD research these days, then a study into the failure of men in the modern Western world, its causes and effects, and what to do about it, might just get you over the line. And I say modern Western world, because it seems to be a particularly Western problem. It would seem that if there are such concerns across the rest of the world, well, they're well hidden. At this point, you might say, and about time too in the West, and here's hoping the rest catches up. It's not as if it hasn't, on the surface at least, been a man's world for a very long time. Men will be men, or as Australian author Clementine Ford says, boys will be boys, in a book that's entitled that, with a telling subtitle, Power, Patriarchy, and the toxic bond of mateship. Ford's clearly writing as a corrective and points out some disturbing truths. But it's clearly more complex than that. I conducted a, a mini test yesterday, really, and asked a young woman working alongside me, a gifted, able, super smart young woman, quick, what words do you think of when I say masculinity? Well, I got strong, brave, caring, and I literally and ironically had to coax the word toxic out of her. Why? Well, as she put it, the men she spends time with are just those things that she said. Boys will be boys takes its reference from the boys and the men who you know, I guess. 
Now, confession time. I went to a rap concert last week, a globally famous star, just for research purposes, of course. And to be frank, the music began to be drowned out by the misogyny. I looked around the stadium. It was populated by younger men, dressed in black, all with mullets, six cans of Jim Beam and cola in a cardboard tray, and me. Often accompanied by young women, who, well, to this 56-year-old, looked pretty fierce as well, and who were far more chill, it has to be said, than I was comfortable with, with those lyrics. They were exuberant even. Now, that's not to say there's not a middle-class, upwardly mobile private school version of those blokes, the dreaded old-school Thai bullies with just as sexist behaviour. But Boys Will Be Boys, while it's a catchy title, doesn't sum up men any more than Girls Will Be Girls sums up women. Perhaps it's all just overblown. Perhaps it's what we see or want to see, rather than what is. Yet clearly, something is going on. So, for example, take this headline from the New Yorker in a January 2023 article, What's the Matter with Men? Writing in the New Yorker is hardly the bastion of reactionary politics or clickbait headlines, by the way. But reporter Idris Calhoun ends her article this way. Gender theorists have described a perennial struggle among multiple masculinities. In this scenario, nobody who values the prospect of eliminating gender hierarchies can afford to be a bystander. Masculinity is fragile. It's also malleable. The shapes it will assume in the future have consequences. Leaving aside the term gender theorist, if that sticks in your craw, there's a long line to join, take a ticket. The idea that there are multiple masculinities just seems obvious, no? The conclusion and the assumption behind it is intriguing. The assumption that we need to eliminate gender hierarchies means we need interventions of some sort. The problem, however, as Calhoun states, is that masculinity is fragile. You might break it along the way. And not only that, masculinity is malleable. It can morph and bend according to conditions. Now that feels like a showdown between competing realities to me. It's a man's world, but masculinity is enfeebled at the same time. Come on, Mr. Dickens, it was either the best of times or the worst of times. It cannot be both. That's the point, surely. It is both, and it's confusing. Hence the title of the article. What are men supposed to be? And who gets to decide that? Men? Women? Gender theorists? Calhoun interviews British-American scholar Richard Reeves, a scholar focused on inequality and social mobility. Here's what he argues. The rapid liberation of women and the labour market shift towards brains and away from brawn have left men bereft of what the sociologist David Morgan calls ontological security. Men now confront the prospect of what Reeves calls cultural redundancy. Ontological security. Who am I? What am I for? And cultural redundancy. So this can all be done without me? Well, in the West at least, and probably in the pre-zombie apocalyptic world of the movies. It would seem that a solution for men feeling such insecurities and redundancies would be to inhabit the places on the planet more like the outer districts of the Hunger Games and less like the capital. Though, wait up, the heroes are heroin in that story too. 
or that zombie apocalypse everyone keeps talking about. Now, I'm one of six boys that my dad fathered. Six boys. If a zombie apocalypse does arrive, are we all gathering around me so that I can blog about it over a good coffee? You better believe not. Or are we heading up to the farm belonging to one of my brothers, who has guns galore, can build anything, has food aplenty, and several four-wheel drives with full jerry cans? Ah, the great binary ironery. Say that five times fast. You see, we're all on a gender spectrum apparently, yet boys will be boys? Surely not. Am I any less masculine because I like to sit and write and enjoy urban design and fashionable clothes? Uh, that's a rhetorical question, not looking for an answer. Is my brother any more masculine because he can gut a wild pig after shooting it with a crossbow and then cook it on an open fire? Some of you might say yes, by the way. But if the Victorian school curriculum is going to allow for and celebrate as much diversity as it says it does, then how about some diversity in what men are actually like? Here's another quote from the New Yorker's article with Reeves discussing the rapid shift in how we see men. As far as I can see, he says, nobody predicted that women would overtake men so rapidly, so comprehensively, or so consistently around the world. And he notes that schoolgirls outperform schoolboys both in advanced countries that still struggle with considerable sexism, such as South Korea, and in notably egalitarian countries like Sweden, where researchers say they are confronting a boy crisis. Now let's just note, that's through one particular lens. At one level, South Korea and Sweden are vastly different. But through another lens, they're exactly the same. Urbanised, highly industrialised nations that have benefited from a global knowledge economy. Sweden and South Korea, a nice alliterative ring to it. But what about Sweden and Somalia? Or South Korea and Senegal? In a technological world in which knowledge is the key component and robotics and automation is baked in, ontological redundancy may indeed be a thing. But maybe you just need to spin the globe a little more and see what's happening outside the West. Reeves also points out that women earn roughly three-fifths of all bachelor's and master's degrees awarded. They are the majority of current medical and law students. Now, they're all good things. My daughter is about to begin her final semester in a literature and history degree. I did a similar degree, but in terms of grades, she's killing it compared to me. My marks were nowhere near where hers are. She's a far better writer than I was at the same age. Good honour. Of course, every ointment has flies, as noted by many studies, and popularised by some of those Jordan Peterson interviews. You see, in contexts where there is far more gender equality in those Scandinavian countries you can't remember the names of, women, when given free reign, often choose careers that align towards what many would consider stereotypes. As is also noted, the gender pay gap isn't because of sexist adverts offering women lower pay than men. It's far more complex than that. And sadly, childbirth and raising one's own children is now seen as an enemy to your happiness and fulfilment, even as burnout, anxiety and exhaustion accompanies many women who are juggling so much in the workplace and at home. 
seems doing the housework is still a woman's job, even if she's busy outside the home. Boys and men might be in crisis, but there's a girls and woman crisis in the making, surely, as well. So what are we doing about this? Well, such a short podcast only scratches the surface each week, doesn't it? But here's a slice, two slices actually, a negative slice and a more positive one. Here's the negative first. It could get dark. Tom Harkin, who founded Tomorrow Man, it is what it says, warns about the rising toxicity, there's that word, of an online world for young men that is pretty much the only world they inhabit. Interviewed by the Australian newspaper just this week, Harkin observed that a social media allows toxic messaging from online personalities to thrive. And yes, we can blame those pesky algorithms which favour confronting content. That's what gets the clicks and the likes. So hello, Andrew Tate. Now, I've talked about him before on this podcast, but the almost cartoonish template of manliness offers a world of cheap women expensive watches, and a sense of entitlement for young men that they are owed something, usually a woman or women, who will bend to their will. If we're looking at a sliding doors future, then that's the dark slice right there. And many young men, it has to be said, are lapping it up in droves for want of a better alternative. They're reading the Men Are Toxic textbooks set out for them in the curriculum at school, of course. But that's just to pass the exams. But it's the likes of Tate that captures so much of their attention. And of course, there's a whole cohort in the middle. They don't like Tate, but they don't celebrate being gender fluid either. Young men who want to be, well, you know, men. Here's a telling comment by Harkin in that report about what many young men are looking for. Having a sense of stoicism, having a sense of determination, They're really great traits, says Harkin, but those to the exclusion of being able to be vulnerable at the times you need to ask for help and acknowledge that you don't have all the answers isn't all that helpful. There's a more nuanced territory that I don't think is being explored enough with young men. And that's right, isn't it? Young men actually do want nuance. But who has time for nuance these days? Tate is a bad man but is a counter-reaction to a growing litany of voices that's saying being a man itself is bad. The declaration that boys will be boys in some sort of deterministic way, well, that's not helpful either. You can hardly call for nuance among young men when the increasingly hostile culture war that has pushed men onto the central stage won't offer it, with neither side willing to blink first. Thankfully, I do believe that there's a counter to this. So, secondly, it could get lighter. That's the positive. Now, recall those descriptors around masculinity from that young woman I work with. I had to coach her, remember, to get the word toxic out of her. Why? Because she was involved in a community in which the men around her were just different. Something about the way they interacted with her and with each other was not about bragging or being the silverback gorilla. And personally, my experience in my community, 
among a church community, and, and this is pertinent to Christmas, is that many of the men I know use someone else, another man, the person of Jesus Christ, as their North Star, how he engaged with both men and women. It's interesting how one of my church friends, who is tattered up to the eyeballs and led, shall we say, a colourful life in the past, is the opposite of me in so many ways. Boating, camping, fishing, shooting, I would call it. Hard yakka, as we say in Australia. Dirt bikes and boxing bags. Yet, at the same time, a caring, kind husband and father, who looks after his wife, who has some health issues, does heaps of the school pickups, and cooks meals on a regular basis. And he's part of our community, where we've made a pact that as men, when we get together, the conversation doesn't lower in tone as the night grows longer. A pact that we call each other out if we sense bitterness or antagonism towards anyone, including our wives. And it's a community where we've held a barbecue with all of our sons and brought in that friend who speaks at schools about porn about how to navigate the online world, bravely and purely, both as men and their sons. Boys will be boys. They should be. I'm not going down the gender-blurred line. But that indeed is the irony. There's far more nuance in the men I know than the Victorian Education Department can envisage. Men, boys, in the right community, with the right ground rules, and a sense of duty grounded in what I think is the essence of being a man, turning up for the women in your life, means that boys don't have to be boys in that Clementine Ford way that she rightly fears and shreds. A central key to good men is good communities, actual communities, not simply virtual ones. If we want to change the behaviour and expectation of boys, then we'll have to start building communities that celebrate a far more diverse picture of what a boy is, of what a man is, than the progressive curriculum does or the reactionary Andrew Tate does. And are we building those sorts of communities? Where do you see them in your life? What can you do to start something like that up with the boys and men in your life? How can you be a good influence in this online world? Now that might not be easy, but it will be necessary in the coming years. Communities are needed with a reflexive reply to the question, what word do you associate with masculinity, doesn't simply countenance the T word. Podcast.